Aloha. Welcome to the Learn to License Your Photos podcast, the show where we teach you how to license your photos so you can earn additional revenue from your photography business. This episode features an interview with Natalia Robert, who is an architectural photographer based in Southern California and runs the Grove Studio, which is a resource geared towards educating and empowering women photographers in the real estate and architecture space. The reason I sat down with Natalia is to get another perspective from a photographer who's been using the techniques I teach to sell her photos and bring in additional revenue for her business. I don't want to drag out this intro, though, so let's jump right into it. We are in beautiful San Diego, California, just outside of San Diego in Oceanside. I'm here with Natalia Robert. Uh, we're in her backyard, so it's a little windy today. If you hear some noise, uh, don't mind us. We're just hanging out in the yard. Uh, Natalia, let's start off with the basics. Tell yes. me a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do right now. Uh, I am an interior photographer and founder of The Grove Studio. So I do interior photography mostly for interior designers here in San Diego, Orange County, Riverside. And founder of The Grove Studio, which is a hub for female interior photographers to help them have education and resources and community. Awesome. Now let's back up a little bit because if I'm not mistaken, I believe your journey actually started as an architect before getting into photography. Yeah, I never fully got licensed, but my background is in architecture, so I have a five-year B-Arch, and I practiced in architecture for about four years before getting sidetracked like life always does, and uh, eventually landed at a job I hated as a graphic artist, and that actually turned me back to photography as a creative outlet of sorts, and I launched my business. I actually had so much downtime during my horrible job that I started a business while I was there. And that was eight and a half years ago. Awesome. Um, I didn't plan to go this direction during our conversation, but um, I think building a business while you actually are working for a company is uh, something a lot of photographers um, deal with or maybe aspire to do. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that journey, um, you know, kind of starting something on the side while you have steady income as a way to help kind of build your business so that you can branch out and then work for yourself? Uh, so I actually might not be the best example only because in retrospect, I probably took too huge a leap. Mm. So I was at this job and I had planned it for about a year that I was going to leave and kind of go on my own. And I started taking a few paid clients here or there. And meanwhile, I was squirreling away whatever I could from my salary into savings. But thinking back, I don't think I had nearly enough saved up. I didn't have nearly enough paid clients. So I really kind of just took a dive into the deep end. Um, but yeah, it was really about just using all that free time to build up connections and network and having that little bit of cash cushion yeah. so that when I took the leap, there were some resources yeah. already there. Don't you think though that by not planning it ahead enough, like, you know, maybe your, your leap was too big. Don't you think that might've like helped you in a way or, or like pushed you, like forced you to like make it work? Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm motivated enough to have kept going for a few years. Like I know a lot of people do until they're making enough on their mm -hmm. side business to make it their main thing. Um, I think I needed to have that yeah. big leap into it. And it was definitely a motivator. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't make a lot of money that first year, but as long as you get by and you build up your network, that was enough for me. Mm -hmm. And let's talk uh, briefly for a little bit about the Grove Studio, like you mentioned. Um, so you said that's a, a hub, a resource for female photographers in this industry. Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, things do you offer them? What, what do you help female photographers with? So the website itself has a whole bunch of articles and it's got a 
digital course and some digital products to download. And I offer mentorship through there as well. And the website is for anybody. We don't turn guys away or anything sure. like that. Um, there is also a private Facebook group that is not officially part of the Grove Studio, but unofficially it pretty yes. much turned out to be. And that is more of a safe space. That's really where the community of all the women in our field cool. are coming together to connect and talk business and really kind of uh, talk more openly if there are things that maybe we don't feel brave enough or open enough to speak about on bigger platforms. Yeah. Um, so, again, not, not a direction I had necessarily planned for this conversation, but I'm interested now, um, you know, as you women are getting together, like what is a, a common theme in your, you know, female community in, in interior and architecture photography? Like what kind of things do you talk about that, you know, obviously not get into detail, but like, you know what, I mean? like, what kind of, uh, what kind of stuff do you ladies struggle with that maybe we don't know about or, you know, maybe that we should know about um, as men? That's a great question. I think a lot of it, it's the same kind of themes. It's, you know, it's marketing, it's gear. There are a lot of women who are looking about, looking for information on how to make the transition. So they're in real estate or maybe they started as a designer, but they want to go more into photography. Um, it's a lot about that transitioning. They're, they're shooting only natural light, lighting scares them, or it's everything feels kind of intimidating when they're looking at the current resources online or at the current forums and groups. And so it's looking for encouragement. It's looking for how to take those little baby steps. Um, and some of it also is just looking to connect with other women who have been there and done that. Yeah. And how did you handle this? There's a lot of talk about client relations. Um, oh, there's this awkward conversation that I have to have, or the client did this, and I don't know what to say, but I don't feel comfortable. Um, so I would say it's, it's more, there's a lot about transitioning from real estate to working with designers. That's a big topic. Marketing's a big topic. How to price yourself is a big one. And overall, I think it's about how the conversations are had. There's a lot more about the feelings that are involved and kind of uh, lack of confidence and how do you do this when maybe you're not ready to be quite so aggressive or put yourself out there yeah. too much. Um, a lot of women just feel hesitation to kind of throw themselves into that arena. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth uh, and I just want to make sure I'm kind of understanding correctly. Do you think that some of that is because the, the resources out there, the tutorials, the YouTube videos, the places where you might get education on this kind of stuff, like historically it's mostly come from men so you think like you being the female kind of leading that role now is um just a little more um i don't know maybe an easier transition for women to like follow somebody like you as opposed to you know following a guy that's teaching the same kind of things like it's just more relatable or something is that kind of the I, vibe i'm hearing i think so and that's actually uh, the reason i started the grove studios because when i was learning that's what i was finding it was all men yeah and you know, men and women speak different languages right, pretty right. much. And so learning from somebody who kind of approaches things the same way or speaks that same language, it helps so much and it helps you feel like you have more of a support system. And what I didn't expect was that originally it was intended to be a hub of articles and digital products and courses. What it's turned into is mostly community and that I didn't expect. Interesting. So the Facebook group has actually become kind of the biggest part of it. It's become kind of the heart and soul of it. It's where 
women find it and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found this. I can't believe this is out there. It's so needed. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's what keeps me going because I see that a lot of women are resonating, but it's been the connections. It's been that community and support system. Yeah, very cool. So let's go back to your architecture days. Um, now, you said you weren't fully licensed, but you did practice. I'm curious, as an architect uh, doing whatever you were doing at that point, were you hiring photographers? Did you work with photographers at that point? No. So when I was on the architecture track, you know, you start out kind of in the kind of low man on the, on the ladder. And I was doing all the drafting and all that. And eventually I went up to pulling permits, building permits, construction documents, detailing, um, kind of overseeing the, the drafters and all that. And then I was job captain, but I was never on the marketing end of things. I was never hiring the photographers. That usually would land on either the marketing person or the principals maybe knew someone or had heard of somebody, that kind of thing. That gotcha. was, I didn't get to the level where I was involved in those parts of it. Right. Did you understand the photography aspect of it? Like, you know, being that you were low man on the totem pole or whatever, low woman on the totem pole, um, you know, you weren't that far along into it, but were there conversations that you were a part of? Did you understand that photography was a part of this business? Like how much, uh, how aware of the photography aspect were you at that point? To be honest, not very. Okay. Um, I just, you kind of have your role in the, in the project and the marketing aspect of it, the how do we show it off, the how do we express it afterwards, that was just such a completely different part of the firm from where I was. Gotcha. So it honestly wasn't really something that I even thought about other than, you know, I've been doing photography for fun since I was 16. So other than just my own personal eye for it, I never really got that kind of glimpse into it, right. I wish. Yeah. Um, so once you made the transition and you started shooting photos on your own, um, how did you learn about pricing things, like valuing your services um, and trying to navigate the financial aspect of photography? Um, another fantastic question, because that's one of the hardest things to figure out, I think, for most people. I, when I started my photography business, I was doing a little of everything, like a lot of us do. And it wasn't until probably a couple years in where I realized that I really, I was getting pulled towards photographing spaces. And because I wasn't really finding a lot of information out there, right now you can find a little bit more, uh, but you know, six, seven years ago, you really weren't seeing anything about that yet. And I honestly started basing it off of packages that I would see portrait or wedding photographers use. So when I, started putting together my pricing, it was sort of in that mentality of working with consumers where you're putting packages together. And that's kind of how it started. And then it was a lot of trial and error and seeing what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And in those early days, as you were figuring out your pricing and stuff, was licensing images to third parties, like, you know, other vendors and stuff, um, was that even in your train of thought? Not even remotely. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no, I mean, I just thought of it as you shoot for your client mm -hmm. and your client uses the photos. And if there are multiple clients, then they use the photos. But I never thought that anything would happen with those photos after they were turned over to right. the client or used on my portfolio. Right. So to put a little context here for the viewers, um, Natalia did participate in a short webinar that I did about a year ago 
Uh, and I know after that she was able to have some success licensing your photos. Um, so I'd like to hear your experience with that a little bit. Um, you know, after you watched that webinar, after you were kind of turned on to this idea that there was something else you can do with the photos, what was, you know, the aha moment? Or was there any, like, idea or topic or anything that kind of stood out to help start getting you there? Um, I think it was just, it sounds so simple and basic, but I think it was just hearing and realizing that there are all of these high-end products in the projects that we shoot and that they themselves need photos, right. that these companies also need photos. So essentially sounds, just understanding the, the, the need for it. Yeah, seeing the need for it. And um, I think I just always had this vision that these companies would hire their own photographers and that's just how they did it. Mm -hmm. So uh, understanding or hearing or learning that they're open to even licensing photos, that that was even a thing, yeah. uh, that just opened a whole bunch of doors. Cool. Um, so let's get in a little bit more um, detailed now. So once you were turned on to that idea and you know had the realization that it was possible, where did you go from there? Um, you know, kind of tell me the the earlier steps of you know trying to license your first couple of photos or whatever after that. So the the first real big thing that I got out of that webinar was just as simple as it is, seeing your template for that email, mm. because there's always and maybe it's a female thing, I don't know, but there's that little bit of awkwardness of like, what do I say? Right. How do I approach it? How do I not get lost in the inbox? Yep. And so that was like the big, the big uh, kind of win for me out of that webinar. Yep. So I had photographed, I think I did that webinar, I wanna say it was in February or so, and I had photographed this gorgeous project in January. And so I thought, okay, let me just start by looking up one or two companies and I started gathering information and sending emails and I used that template and kind of modified it to my own tone and yep. everything. And uh, out of that project, from when I started to now, I probably have licensed about $3,000 to $3,500 worth of photos wow. from it. Wow. The first sale was, I believe, seven fifty. dollars Nice. Yeah. yeah, so that was, then I was Congrats. like, okay, I gotta do this more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like once, once you get a taste of that success and, yeah. you know, quote unquote, how easy it is, right? I mean, you basically copy and paste from an email and then all yeah. of a sudden somebody sends you money. You're like, whoa, like, okay, I can get used to this, right? And then just seeing that these companies are grateful for yeah. it and that they're, they're excited to use them. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it makes you realize how much money you're possibly leaving on the table. Yeah. Yeah, and so once you uh, got that first taste of success, were there other things that you um, kind of found out on your own? Like, have you discovered a tip or trick of your own that you can share with people? Or have you taken anything you learned from me and, and modified it a little bit more to your style? Uh, to be honest, because it's been kind of a wonky year and things haven't really been routine. Yeah. Uh, I have not put as much effort as I would have wanted into licensing. So I can't say that I really have any tips or tricks of my own, but what I'm wanting to do and what I, I learned from watching the, this course was actually the organization behind gathering information and tracking the emails yep. and really uh, keeping track of who you're speaking with and what phase you're in and then being able to go back to those people. Uh, because I actually just emailed one of the contacts from previous licensing that I did and sent them new photos. And it was great to have a warm contact yeah. that I could reach out to and instantly get a response. Yeah. 
So the organization part is probably the biggest next takeaway for me. Yeah, cool. So on that note, um, you know, I don't want this to be a sales pitch for this course or anything, right? I, I want this to be authentic. So I'm curious, uh, you know, you said it's been a wonky year. We all know that. Hashtag COVID, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, what is your biggest obstacle or hurdle or roadblock from actually putting it into practice? Because you already said you had success, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, we all know that life gets busy and something like this can get put on the back burner. So I'm curious, as another photographer, what is stopping you? Because A, it might give me an idea of what else I can help people with. Um, B, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you and have the same you know, type of experience or whatever. So I'm curious, like, what is the, the hurdle that ends up stopping you from you know, putting things into action sometimes? Uh, so this year, because it's been so off, I've just been shooting a whole lot less. Okay. And so I've had some personal things that have kept me from really putting myself completely back out there to mm -hmm. shoot with clients. So there's just been less new images coming up right. that I can leverage for licensing. Um, and then I think, well, what if I go back and look at past images? And one of the hurdles that I'm coming up with is knowing which brands some of the products are right. because it's a shoot that maybe happened a year ago yep. or eight months ago. And so the information's a little bit more stale sure. and it's a little tougher to go back and talk with the designer and ask them. Um, so that's, that's been the hurdle this year. Yep. It's just not having the volume and then not having all the information pre-gathered yeah. for the old shoots. Yeah, so uh, just off the top of my head, my advice to that, if that's something that you wanna pursue, uh, and you know, we talked about some of these things in the course or whatever, but uh, you know, first go to your client's Instagram. So like, let's say you find a project like, oh, I, I think this kitchen looks great, but it was a year ago. Well, there's a chance that your client might still be actively posting some of those photos on Instagram from time to time. Or maybe there's a section on your client's website that has that whole project. And some clients, even on their website, they'll post like, you know, a lot of vendor information on the, the post. Like I've seen some clients that, uh, you know, they almost write like a little story about that project and kind of talk about what was used in the project or whatever. Um, so those are a couple of things you can do is like just scroll through your client's Instagram. And on the computer, you know, it doesn't take too long to even scroll back a whole year unless your client posts like three times a day, obviously. Um, but sometimes, you know, if it's a year old, like maybe you know, a year ago when you gave them the photos, maybe they tagged somebody back then. Or if you scroll back even more than a year, maybe during that design process, again, they might've tagged one of their vendors or something as they were working on the process or whatever. Yeah. Um, so tips for people watching and obviously tips for you to, you know, help get over that, uh, you know, roadblock or hurdle of, you know, how do I go find the vendors of, of previous stuff? Um, also, again, as you do it more, um, you know, you'll start to, to recognize things. So if you've shot five projects recently and now you go back a year, like, oh, that looks really similar to this other faucet I shot recently, you know? And so the more knowledge you get, like the more you do this stuff, the more knowledge you start to retain about what products look like what, or, you know, oh, I see, you know, a knob peeking out from over here and I know that's this brand of, of knob, like, you know, so you can kind of start piecing things together. But again, it's, it's the whole mindset of like, a year ago, you weren't looking at that photo with that in mind. But now that you've gained all this knowledge, that filter has kind of, you know, filtered out this new information or whatever. True. Um, so those might help. Going back to that first cold email that you sent using the template, the copy and paste, you know, you said you changed it up to your words a little bit. But after you realized that the company was receptive, after you realized that they were actually grateful to get the photos from you and pay you for them, um, how did that go going forward of using that same email that you crafted? Um, and how did that kind of change your confidence knowing that 
A, it worked, and B, that people were actually happy to receive it? Um, it helped a lot, really. Um, there is that fear of being too salesy when you're reaching out to somebody and just kind of cold emailing. And along with that, I just didn't know what to say to not sound salesy right. and to kind of be seen in their inbox. Yep. So even when they were responding with a no, I felt good about it because I felt like they saw the email, they considered it, I got a response, which is a huge win these days. Yeah. Um, and then when I got the yeses, that was even better yeah. because they were, they were grateful for it. So it does motivate you to keep going and keep emailing more. Yeah. And the template was so kind of simple and quick and non-invasive right. in their day yeah. that it just, it made it feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah, and when you got the no, was it ever like a, a rude type of thing? Did you ever feel like you had inconvenienced them or like made them upset or anything? No, there were a few people that were just like, we don't license photos or these are beautiful, but we have no need at this time mm -hmm. or we don't need any of this product, but check back with us. Right. There were some people who maybe responded and asked for a rate. And then when I replied with a rate, they would fall off the planet and never respond. Yeah. And then there were some that just never replied at all. Sure. But there was never any kind of rudeness yeah. or I never felt like they were bothered sure. by my email. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so now that we've been into this a little bit, uh, you've been doing it for a while. Um, where are you at now? Have you um, made more sales? Have you continued to have success? Have you, you know, implemented new strategies or anything? Uh, not yet, and like I said, it goes back to just being kind of an irregular year. Yep. Um, it, so far, I've really been able to license from two projects, mostly from one, which is the one I mentioned earlier about getting a, a few thousand dollars total for. Yep. And I have my list that of a couple of shoots that I want to go back to and specifically target. So I've started collecting the data, but uh -huh. it's been kind of a slow go this year. Gotcha. Um, so not yet, okay. but, but it's getting there. So the ones that you did have success with, uh, tell me about what kind of projects they were and what kind of companies did the licensing? Uh, so the one that's kind of the smaller, I just licensed a few photos and they were for a tile backsplash. It was a tile company. And that I got a couple hundred dollars. And that was kitchen? Uh, yes, it was a kitchen. It was the bar area of a kitchen. Okay. And then the other project was just the one I sold a lot from. I sold mostly photos of a kitchen. Kitchens just seem to have so many different uh, products right. to be able to, to license about. And some from a bathroom. Okay. And those were tiles, um, a range, um, flooring, and I think there might have been a countertop company. Yeah. Um, no, not countertop. It was a faucet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect kind of little case study for everybody watching. Um, you know, kitchens, like she said, have so many things. There's the cabinets, the flooring, the countertops, the faucet, the appliances, and then you actually have the pulls, like the little handles on either the drawers or the cabinets. Uh, those little pieces of hardware, believe it or not, I've actually sold, sold photos to the companies that just make the little metal pulls. So yeah, kitchens, they have the lighting. I mean, there's just so much in a kitchen, so. And then there's like the, the builder and yep. um, any kind of consultant, the furniture, yep. if there's bar stools or anything like that. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot. Have you done any licensing to other parties directly involved with the project? Like let's say a designer hired you and you were able to talk to the builder or the developer or whatever. Have you had any of those interactions? Um, I've had some interactions, but they haven't resulted in licensing. Yeah. That's been a tougher sell. 
I don't know if it's the market that I'm in or if that's just across the board, but that's been a little bit tougher yeah. than, the, than the companies that have products. Right. And from my experience, um, you know, I haven't had a ton of success there as well. I think if you get it up front with like the cost sharing situation, uh, that seems to be the way to go. But it almost seems like when it's after the fact, they're like either they already have a relationship with their photographer or, you know, they don't need photos and that's why they didn't get them in the first place. Um, or, you know, there's, you know, they just don't want to pay the higher rate because obviously you're going to charge a higher rate when it's after the fact, right? Um, so I agree. For, for me, um, I haven't found that that to be like a, a real viable avenue. Um, so that's why I stick mostly to the products as well. Yeah, and I've had a few of those companies have been the ones that have given some pushback right. who have expected free images yes. for social media. Yep. And so when I tell them that that's not available, that that's not an option they need to license, then um, they're kind of bothered by that. Yeah. But that's okay. It's just, yeah. it's just how things are these days. I've seen that too, actually. So I had a phone call with a guy who, uh, it sounded like he, his company was interested in hiring me. Somebody from his company reached out to me through Instagram. Uh, I think maybe I had like, sent them a couple of emails through my like, email campaigns, and that's how I got on their radar. But somebody from their company reached out to me and was like, hey, you should call this guy at our company and talk to him about photos. I was like, okay, great. Like, this sounds like a promising lead, right? Like, they're telling me to set up a phone call. So I called the guy and, uh, you know, he starts telling me about how they normally get photos from the real estate agent or something. And they're a developer, they're a custom home builder. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him and it just sounded like he was expecting to get photos from other people. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I told him my rates and he's like, oh, we, we, we can never pay that much. Uh, you know, I would, I would rather just wait in to get him from the real estate agent and I can just pull him from the MLS or something. And it, it totally caught me off guard because obviously like licensing is like what I talk about all the time. And so I was on the phone with them and I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of stealing. And it caught me so off guard that I really wasn't prepared for the conversation. And this was after a long day as a shoot. So maybe I wasn't in the best headspace for this conversation. But, you know, essentially I told him, like, you can't do that. Like, you're basically stealing those photos and, you know, eventually you're going to have a photographer come knocking on your door if you're, if you're doing that. And he didn't seem to understand it. And I tried to explain it, um, you know, and give him the, uh, the analogy of when you buy music and da-da-da, like that whole thing. Um, and he just didn't get it. And, uh, you know, he, he started sounding very bothered too. And the vibe he gave me on the phone was that, like, he was done with the conversation. Like, whatever I was saying, he just wasn't having it. And he was like... Uh, you know, got very unpleasant pretty quick on the phone. And I was like, okay, well, I, I just, I don't think we're on the same page here. So, you know, I, I wish you the best. And, uh, and, that, and that was it. So, yeah, I've, I've seen that as well. Another quick story that I'll give you and the people listening is uh, <laughs> I had a guy uh, reach out to me from a construction company. Now, this construction company uh, has like a little bar in their courtyard that they built. And I was hired by a company to shoot this bar for the decking and siding company that had I guess partnered with them. I think the decking company gave them the products for free um, as part of this project or whatever. Now the construction company had hired a guy to come shoot photos of this bar. And apparently the decking company hired me because either they weren't happy with the photos or they didn't want to pay the extra licensing fee or whatever. Um, so they hired me. Um, well, long story short, the construction company guy reached out to me after the shoot was said and done and was basically like, asking about licensing stuff. And he was uh, very confused because he said that he had already hired somebody to shoot it. And why was this decking company now hiring me? 
when he had already hired somebody. And I explained to him the licensing and you know, how you pay for a license for your company, they pay for a license for their company, and yada, yada. And he's like, yeah, but I, I paid a lot of money for these photos. Like, I hired a professional, da, da, da. Did he expect your photos to be, like, part of the other shoot that the other photographer no, did? No, but I think he expected his original photos to be able to go to the other companies. I think that's what it was. Oh. Um, and so I asked him, you know, if you don't mind me asking, like, how much did you pay? And he said he paid $200 for a two-hour shoot. And I was like, well, that's why, you know, you, you obviously hired somebody that wasn't a, a, a true professional that didn't fully understand it. Like, that's not a professional, you know, architecture type rate. Um, and with that, you're probably hiring somebody that um, if they don't understand how to price themselves right, they certainly don't understand third party licensing the way it needs to be dealt with. Uh, and so I tried to explain this to him and he was like, well, hundred. I mean, I paid $100 an hour. Like, I don't make $100 an hour. Like, am I in the wrong business? And he was, you know, just so confused that he could pay $200 and those photos not be able to go everywhere. Uh, and so, you know, I explained to him that I am all about trying to educate photographers and companies like his and vendor clients and stuff. Uh, and so I was happy to, you know, chat with them on the phone to try to help him understand, you know, what goes into this and everything. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like the people on the build, construction, that kind of side of things um, definitely still need some education. Yeah, and I, I want to add, just to kind of add to both the stories that you just mentioned, that it tends to get really messy when you have real estate photographers brought in or real estate agents kind of in that mix yeah. because um, the real estate world has just got completely different pricing and it's much more of a kind of shoot and burn type of approach yeah. for a lot of photographers, not for all, but for a lot, especially those who are starting out. And um, I know that, Sometimes the expectations are you bring in a real estate photographer and it's the same thing as architectural. And I think that's where a lot of the education has to come in yeah. for these companies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's go back a little bit and I want to talk to you about uh, sending those cold emails and reaching out to these vendors and stuff. Um, how did you eventually find the contact to send the cold email to? Um, I actually pretty much followed exactly what you did in the webinar, which was I started with Googling I knew I needed to find the marketing people. Right. Uh, and LinkedIn has been kind of my biggest tool for that cool. is trying to find, I just put in the company and marketing director yep. and it'll tell me if somebody has that title. Just the fact that everybody on LinkedIn has a title yeah. is a huge help. Um, and then once I had that, chances are I had to track their email down. And then um, I think one of the biggest sites that you use is Rocket Reach. Yep. And that's what I go to, and I just cool. type in like the company email format, and I can usually figure it out from there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think once I had to use two different formats for the same person just to see which one would work. Right, so you're using two different emails, like BCC'd or whatever? Yeah, so I sent, I believe so, I think I sent, I, I sent the email separately yep. um, and just sent it to a couple of different formats gotcha. to see which one actually was yeah. the correct one. So just to clarify for anybody watching and or listening if we package this in an audio format, so what we're talking about is if you know the person's name is Adam Taylor, for example, and you know the company's email address is at deltafaucet.com, uh, a lot of times a website like rocketreach.co will tell you um, the format for the company email uh, or the most popular format. So it might be first name dot last name at deltafaucet.com or it might be first initial dot last name at deltafaucet.com. So when you 
have an idea of what the most popular couple of formats might be, but you're not 100% sure what the email address is, you can guess you know, three or four or five versions of that and just BCC them all. And your hope is that one of them will make it to the right person. We're gonna wrap things up here. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you sharing all your insight and your experiences. Um, thanks for opening up your home to us. And please tell people about anything else you have going on that you would like to direct them to through the Grove or anything else. Sure, um, so I have the Grove Studio at meetmeatthegrove.com. And there's a private Facebook group if you just search for female architectural and interior photographers. Um, that is for ladies only, unfortunately, but the website's for everyone. On the website, there's an editing course, a master editing course for interiors. There's one coming out probably in the next couple of months by January, February. That's gonna be for actually shooting, the actual shooting process. And then I'm actually working also on a Spanish course with a group called La Cabaraderia, which is based out of Uruguay. Um, that'll be for real estate. So any Spanish speaking photographers can go to camaraderia.com and they can find info there. Awesome, well thank you again and we will see you next time. Awesome, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into our conversation with Natalia. If you want to be like Natalia and learn all the techniques to help license your photos, head over to licenseyourphotos.com and join the course. And as a way to show our appreciation for you taking your time to listen to this podcast, you can use the promo code thank you to get 25% off the course. Just type in the promo code thank you, all one word, at checkout on licenseyourphotos.com. And if you found anything in this episode insightful, educational, or helpful, please consider sharing it with one or two of your photographer friends. Thanks for listening, and good luck making some sales this week. Mm -hmm.